emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Ferris Sage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we are Free Rider Friday for October. Ed, how's it going? Oh, Ron, it's okay. I got a bit of a chest cold, and... Uh... So I'll be using extensively the mute button as we move through the show today. But pros play hurt, Ron. Pros play hurt. So here we are. (laughs) And unfortunately, your pros are not in (laughs) the World Series. Just a shout out there to Greg, talking about leadoff with baseball. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Are are you hanging in there, though? Oh, yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've I've committed to the Houston Astros uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I I do like Nolan Ryan, who was a former Met player, and then he was with the Rangers for a while. Now he's now he's uh, I guess special assistant or something with the Astros. So I like him. Obviously, being in Texas helps, too. And then. Also, I, I, I have a I, I hate Chase Utley, who's a player for the Dodgers, um, because he he broke Ruben Tejada's leg two thousand in two thousand fifteen, so he's a thug. So I can't root for him. But I, I will say this, Ron, um, I I I have watched both games thus far with the sound off, and it has been a very pleasant experience for me. I'm a uh, I hate Joe Buck. Right, I can't take him. So. Right. <laughs> and, and it worries me because you're—I know you're reading in between the pitches, and you're going to end up reading more books a year than I am if you do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. No. I, I really—if I have this really good situation going where I can you know I know exactly how far to read on my Kindle and then look up to catch the next pitch. So it's a—it's a—it's a quite a system. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, and I'm sure your stack is bulging as is mine. I'm—I'm I'm just going to launch with a, a relatively short one, but I, I just found this really interesting. This was out of The Economist, September 23rd, and it's called Mind Over Matter. How can you not like that? Yeah, right. right. It's the title of your book. (laughs) Uh, And and the question is, can entrepreneurship be taught? Right. The age-old question. Can you actually teach this stuff? Does the the business schools teach in entrepreneurship? Do they really matter? Well, some researchers out of the World Bank, the National University in Singapore, and Lufanza, Lufana University in Germany decided to find out. So they did a randomized controlled trial, right, an RCT in 2014. They took 1,500 people who were in business in Togo, West Africa, or Togo, Togo, uh, West Africa. And the typical firm that they had had three, three employees and profits of roughly $173 per month U.S., one third of them, by the way, kept books. I just have to mention that since we're being sponsored by Sage. <laughs> so right. there's a big market here, Ed. You got two thirds yeah, of no. business owners that need software. Um, so they split the uh, 1,500 people into three groups. One was a control group, right? Placebo, didn't do anything. Second one got conventional business education in accounting, financial management, marketing, human resources. The third one, however, the third group got courses inspired by psychological research, such as setting goals and dealing with feedback, 
difficult conversations, you know, persistence and uh, through um, setbacks and things like that. They let two and a half years go by and the sales increased by 17% over the control group. For which group do you think? The second or the third? Oh, gosh. Profits were up 30%, by the way, over the control group for this group. Sales up 17, profits Probably the third group. You know, I want to say the third group. The third group. Absolutely right. In fact, the third group was was actually even more innovative. And the great thing, Ed, the second group, there was no effect at all (laughs) compared to the control group. Of, of learning accounting, bookkeeping, budgeting. All, all. So the economist ends and says, so if you're interested in this, you know, just just head over to the, uh, avoid the business shelf in the bookstore and go right to the psychology shelf. <laughs> you know, there's something to be said for this, Ron, and I, I can't recall specifically when in the last week or so I was thinking about this. I think I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine yeah, I think it was last week at the Sage Intact Advantage Conference. And, you know, we we're going through all of this stuff and business planning and, you know, the, the, all of these, the, 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 this, uh, we've got, and they, we've got some, some really neat stuff that the, the team at Intact has, has been doing with their partner organizations. And we're certainly learning from them. But you, you have to wonder, like, with, with examples like this, how often are people successful without any of this stuff, including two-thirds without even keeping track of their books, right? Yes. Yet yet we have all these business gurus chanting, oh, you know, you got to keep, uh, how can you do it without, you know, how can, but we have accountants saying, how can you do things without timesheets, right? How can you, how can you have a successful business without, without you know, keeping track of, of your books, right? Yep. Yeah, Ed, I, I wish I had it in front of me, but I have a story. I believe it's in the firm of the future. Uh, and it's about a, a son who goes out, you know, an immigrant, uh, immigrant dad, you know, runs a tailor shop, right? He's in this little, he's got a little business, little tailor shop, and he just has an in basket and an out basket or, you know, to be paid, you know, bills to be paid or whatever. Just two baskets basically run his business. No bookkeeping, nothing. His kid goes off, becomes an accountant, comes back, visits the old man, says, gee, dad, you know, you really need to get a better system in here. He said, how can you possibly run a successful business? And he says, look, I've got, I've put four kids through college, including a not so bright accountant. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I must be doing something right. It's just that just, it, it's worded much better than that, but it's, it always struck me as really, really funny and an enormous kernel of truth to that. But you, you know, then you do wonder, is that is are those just the the stories that you hear the people getting lucky right um, but you know this research that you're showing is like hey maybe, maybe it's not maybe it's lucky either way you know because the, you you gave this randomized control trial but I but I have to think that that's within the margin of error of this statistical sample and I, and I bet it's one of these these uh the, these double blind surveys that if we repl- tried to replicate it it wouldn't be re- replicatable. Right. Yes. Yes. That's that's the interesting thing. Does culture play a part here? If you replicated this in another country, would you get the same type of effect? It is a rather small sample size, um, but it does it 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 goes against the what you'd conventionally think. You know, I mean, the results are kind of overwhelming for more psychological research, and 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 doesn't it lend itself to this to the idea, and this is Drucker's idea that business is really a branch of the humanities. Yes. Right? It's about dealing with people. 
It's not about all this other stuff. So, I mean, yeah, you can learn that and yeah, you have to do it, but it's really about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, anyway, was- it is. It is. So let me, let me piggyback off of that in a, in a sort of a tangential way. And that is, this is an article from our, our friends at, at feed the foundation for economic education and this is an article entitled schooling was for the industrial era unschooling is for the future Mm, and really interesting article about this notion of of unschooling or homeschooling or self-directed learning whatever you want to call it but the thing that jumped out at me and and why i wanted to bring it up on free rider friday was this sentence and this is from a book by uh, Kathy Davis, I'm sorry, Davidson, Kathy Davidson called Now You See It. And she says in this book that, ready, 65% of children now entering elementary school will work in jobs in the future that have not been invented yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yet in this time of massive change, we are giving kids the tests and lesson plans designed for their great, great grandparents. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one can quibble with her 65% projection there, Red. I mean, I've seen it's probably studies being on, too low. It, well, <laughs> no, well, no, believe it or not, there, there's actually, this has been studied by some really good economists, like the National Bureau of Economic Research. Uh, they, they tried to tally up, you know, new occupations um, from, you know, what existed, say, 50 or 100 years ago. And it's, it's not as much as you would think. It, it's kind of like around the 20% number or something. It, it really, it shocked me when I read it. And, but I, I've just, I, I'm just uh, making people aware that this alternative research exists about this. Now, whether or not that holds up in the next 20 years because of the rapid changes, who knows, right? Right, 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 right. There's still, a lot, if, and if you think about it, there are a lot of occupations that are still out there, you know, in the services and, and all of that. And, you know, if it's a numbers game. And, and they try yeah. to look at it, you know, in total. Yeah, and that, it is a numbers game. It depends on how you define stuff, too. I mean, certainly there was no such thing as search engine optimization Absolutely. back in our grandparents' day, right? So web designer. Now, but do if you qual- but but would you would you qualify search engine optimization as you know advertising? Right. Mm-hmm. In which case, then, yeah, okay, that well, that sort of did exist. I, uh, re, uh, you know, research re, researcher for advertising agency which is effectively what search engine optimization is. And I don't think they did, by the way. I think search optimization was one of the examples, and they also had things like, you know, animated platform developers, things. I mean, these things are obviously new, you know, um, but there's still a lot of occupations out there. But either way, I mean, her point, I think, is, is, is right on. And and isn't it true? What, what did, uh, what's that famous Toffler line that, about unlearning? You know the 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 illiterate in the new world will be the ones that can't unlearn, right? That can't unlearn fast enough. Yeah, sure, for sure. Oh. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, well, all right. Do you want to throw another one out? I just kind of piggybacked off of yours, but all right. Yeah, I got one. Um, I can. I think I can get most of this in before the before our break. This again from the Economist, September twenty third. Uh, pay per risk. So. Um, Kiketa said there's one point there's 174,000 commercial drones now being sold worldwide every year. 2.8 million consumer drones are sold worldwide. I think this was the last year, 2016. So guess what comes up? So you've got all these drones flying around, especially commercially, 
But even consumer, you know, they're running into weddings, they're, they're crashing cakes. <clears throat> at sporting events, they're running into some of the players. So, of course, actuaries look at this, and what do they come up with? They come up with insurance. But they're doing this differently. Rather than charging a policy for a year, um, like the uh, there's an outfit called Insure for Drones. It's a British insurance company. They charge $1,000 a year to insure a DJI Phantom, which is, I guess, one of the most popular commercial drones sold. But there's other outfits out there like October Flock, which is a London startup, that insures the drone per flight. So it's like five pounds an hour. And it takes into account, and this is all in real time, the topography of the flight, you know, it, uh, what's nearby, are there hospitals nearby, are there schools, roads, traffic uh, levels, you know, airports, everything like that, all in real time. There's a company called Verifly in the U.S., which is also a startup. They're kind of doing the same thing. Uh, and these companies are arguing that selling insurance on an annual basis is way too inflexible that they need to estimate risk in real time. So this is on-demand insurance. You, know, you just press an app when you start flying and you're insured. Um, and and it, it, you know, I always say you can't price risk by the hour. Uh, this might be an exception. <laughs> These guys are pricing risk by the hour. Of course, it's it's for a defined event, you know, a flight. Um, but it, it's I just thought that was absolutely fascinating. That actuaries look at this and they see a huge opportunity here. Well, sure, and I would I would argue though that that the other things that you mentioned probably have more of an impact on the price of the insurance, like the topography, weather, all of those other things that they're collecting Absolutely. quote real time, that those things would have a greater impact on the price than the hour itself. Right, right. right. We're not that, talking about yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly that's just, right. That's just a mechanism. Yeah. They're, they're even talking that about um, there's insurance companies out there experimenting with the idea of insuring like Uber rides and Lyft rides. And of course, that would depend upon the weather, right? And the road conditions sure. and all those types of things. And there's also even uh, short term insurance for like people that host the Airbnb. You know, they can insure their stuff, right? Yep. From loss on a, on a per you know, per case basis. And it's uh, this on-demand insurance could be a whole new business model for, for the insurance companies. And I just found that fascinating. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Well, Ron, we're up against our first break. Want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. We have the upcoming Verisage Symposium event, which you can get by going to artofvalue.com slash events. Art of Value is our sister organization run by Kirk Bowman, who is a Verisage fellow. But uh, looking forward to seeing many of you there. There's still time to register for that conference, although the hotel is sold out of the room block, but there is still space available in the hotel if you need to stay in Allen, Texas, my hometown. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. 
Using HubSpot or WordPress will create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And here we are back on The Soul of Enterprise, and we are free riding on Friday where once every month Ron and I talk about various things that happen in the news, current events that we come across that we think might be interesting, well, at least to each other, if not the audience, and hope that you guys play along as well. Ron, I got one here that I think is extraordinarily powerful, and this is a a Huffington Post article, but it was reported in, in many, many other outlets and that is that, and this is, by the way, uh, September 22nd, 2017, Facebook is now the Federal Election, Elections Commission. <laughs> okay, explain that. Okay. So, yeah, let me unpack this. So, what this says is now because of the, the number of Facebook adverti- ads that were taking place, political Facebook ads – Right, and there is now two billion people world worldwide on on Facebook, right? Uh, that the policies of Facebook as to what is what qualifies as a legitimate political ad that has more influence over potential elections than anything that the Federal Elections Commission could do. Well. <laughs> I'm no fan of the FEC, so uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure Agreed. I'd be bothered by it. No, that's I'm not taking a position on this one way or the other. I'm just saying it's in a sense because of the the the, the sheer number of volume, uh, sheer amount of volume of Facebook ads that their policies really control how and what we see more than what the Federal Election Commission is capable of filtering out itself, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, certainly the, the whole thing with the, you know, the, the, the Russia story, which, you know, that, that's taken another, yet another twist and turn this week, and I don't think we want to get into that, but uh, the, the, 
the these ads that were taken out. I mean, the 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 market is incredibly huge. I'm looking here for the number. I don't see it, but it was it was the the number of ads and policy ads that were taken out on Facebook was, is just just astounding in the last election cycle. Sure. So, you, you know, Ed, I think it's a real interesting empirical question, and I I don't know what to think of all these different social media platforms. Part of it is an enormous sewer in my mind. Um, you know, a lot of fake news. There's a lot of you know different things out there that are unverifiable or not haven't been verified. And I just I just wonder though, do you really think people are actually influenced in their political views by what they see on Facebook, or are they just looking at Facebook to kind of confirm what they already believe? You know that that's a great question. Just just about political advertising in general, Ron. Right. And 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 all advertising, it, it must do something because otherwise we wouldn't do it at all. Sure, and 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 we know negativity works, right? I mean, correct, correct, because that's that's what they do. Um, but I just don't. I can't think of anybody in my circle, and I know this sounds like I, I don't know anybody who voted for Richard Nixon line, um, you know, in the '72 election, but right. that would be influenced by, you know, something they read on Facebook. Probably true, but again, you know, we we don't know the 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 lurkers out there, right? We don't know what their influence. And by the way, I'm not necessarily just talking about stuff that's candidate specific, right? I'm talking about issue based ads, sure, and 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 stuff that that brings quote unquote news to the forefront that would be in favor of or against a particular candidate's position on something, sure, right? So and you know Facebook is committed to wipe out this fake news, but but here's the thing: is as a private company, guess what? They get to decide what fake news is. Yep. Right. So it, it's I, I, I just find this this notion fascinating that that it's that re- regardless of what governments want to, and this is this is this is like a Bitcoin example, right? Bit, bit, Bitcoin is and and blockchain is the possibility of pri- effectively privatizing, not really privatizing the, uh, the currencies. Right, mm-hmm. and there's not much government can do to stop it, one way or the other. The governments have tried; they failed. Uh, I've got another thing on Bitcoin. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about later. But this is just another thing where s- some piece of technology is outpacing the ability of government to regulate it in any way. Sure, and and Ed, you know, this is kind of like I, I know political scientists have written about this issue. Like, you know, people think that, like, say, lobbying. Right, that you just follow the money with these politicians are just voting the way the lobbyists tell them. Well, right. is is that the case, or do the lobbyists donate to them because they already believe in right. the cause? Right, right. Which yep. came first, and 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 it seems like the political sciences have, have reached a consensus that it's that it's the latter. You know, Correct. that the NRA has given money to to politicians. It doesn't influence their vote. They already thought that way. Right. Yep. Yep, totally agree. So, so uh, but that's right. that's fascinating. I, I, I this this uh, Facebook thing really is 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 just really interesting to me. Um, okay, how about this? So it's uh, since we're talking politics, you brought it up. Two articles on this. Uh, one is from our friend Daniel Mitchell of Fee, right? And uh, the other is the war on cuteness in the Economist, and. It, it, I mean, this is dark humor, but um, 
11,000 babies have died last year um, in Venezuela. And the infant mortality rate has increased 30%. About 12% of children under the age of five are suffering moderate to severe malnutrition. Three quarters of adults have lost weight, average of 19 pounds on the so-called Maduro diet. And women uh, in brothels, working in brothels, have doubled while the ages of these women have gone down as low as 12 to 13. And there's a joke running around that, well, you know, we don't need toilet paper if there's no food. Um, So you probably saw this, Ed, but the government came out and said, well, let them eat rabbits. So they gave gave every family, I think, a, a rabbit in a cage and said, well, they'll breed like rabbits. They're a great source of protein and, you know, low cholesterol. But, you know, the problem is, and this is what The Economist is pointing out in their article, The War on Cuteness, is people are treating these things like pets. They're putting bows on them. The kids are taking them to bed. The last thing they want to do is eat Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. He, he's just talking about, you know, this this, this is a uh, really harebrained scheme. Um, and it, it just it kind of goes along with another article that was in Fee that I saw that the, you know, perpetuate, perpetuators of socialism need to be held account for things like this. I mean, this is a tragedy in the age of abundance. We have a country starving. It's insane. It is insane. That whole Venezuela thing is, is very confounding to me. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, you know, it's, it's hopefully just a a question of time before that whole Maduro and, and uh, Hugo Chavez, the Chavistas or whatever, get, get knocked out of power there. You know, uh, unlike, unlike the, the, the tragedy in North Korea, I think there's hope in Venezuela because they haven't been under the influence for, for, for generations just yet. Right. Right. Yep. I hope you're right. So. Oh, crazy stuff. Chop one up for Bugs Bunny. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Hi, let me All throw, right, throw man, one you, out. What you got? Yeah. All right. I, I mentioned this before, so let me just bring this up and we'll talk through it because we're getting close to a break here. I, it, this is from our, our friend Hector Garcia. Sent me a, a website called, the, the title is 99bitcoins.com. Mm-hmm. And this this uh, is an article that tracks the number of times that Bitcoin has reported to have died. Like, <laughs> yep. so all of the people who write obituaries for Bitcoin, and as as of uh, the, let's see, October twenty fifth when I got it. Let me see if I can just quick go out there again now to see what uh, what this is up to. It is a count. Yes, Bit- Bitcoin has died one hundred and seventy nine times, according to to uh, all of the all of the, the the statistics and stories that they're following on here. So you can, and of course you can buy Bitcoin on this site, but every, every single article that they have ever found that says, you know, Bitcoin is going to burst, it's going to, it's going to die, you know, and then it, it's funny after each, after each one of them, they list the Bitcoin price at that time. <laughs> it's just going up and up and up. <laughs> yeah. So this one from September 15th, 2015, Bitcoin is declining, but is it dead? From government technology, Bitcoin was at two hundred and thirty-six dollars and sixty-one cents. <laughs> Remember when the internet was a fad? Yeah, mm-hmm. like the CB radio. And somebody really smart say it's like the CB radio of the nineties. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so this is a pretty interesting website where you can where you can track all of these the the, the times here that uh, that Bitcoin is is gone on to the great beyond. Um, was was over six thousand dollars at one point this week, Ron. So I don't know where it sits now, but it might 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 be below that, which means clearly it's ready to die again. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see. Yeah, it's only at fifty seven hundred dollars, Ron. So it's gone down today. Wow, I think it's it, dead. It I think it's dead. Ahead, that the the stock market. Stock market predicted nine of the last two recessions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was well, economists have success? I heard it. Economists have successfully pre- predicted nine out of the last two recessions. So yeah, them too. I, I'm pretty sure economists were put on the world to make weather forecasters look good. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> good well, this is great. And as usual, it's just flying by. But folks, we'd like to remind you. You can check out full show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com and go out to iTunes and give us a review. We love those and we'll read them on the air, but they really do help us uh, get some great guests. And we have, uh, I know we have some coming up before the end of the year that I think you're going to really enjoy. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Join Voice America Live at the Verisage Symposium in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, November 10th, 11th, and 12th from Allen, Texas. We'll start with the networking day and football game on Friday, followed by two incredible days of sessions filled with talks, meals, keynotes, and more. These are exclusive sessions that you can't miss. Join Ron Baker, Ed Kless, and the Voice America events team and visit voiceamerica.com slash live events. To attend live, visit our value.com and click events the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for October of 2017. And Ed, I remember on one of the Free Riders, uh, one of us, it might have been me, talked about the right to try laws that were mm. being passed in various states so people could take experimental drugs that hadn't gone through all the FDA trials yet, hadn't been approved because they were, you know, <laughs> basically it was their last hope. Uh, right. Well, now there's another movement going on in the States, and this one is really interesting. It's the right to repair. People are complaining that, for instance, you can no longer repair an iPhone. Okay. You can no longer repair your John Deere tractor. 
right? You used to be able to do these things yourself. Um, so it's given rise to this movement, and it's actually on the agenda of legislatures in a dozen states, including Nebraska. Um, and European Parliament has recently passed a motion calling for regulation to force manufacturers to make their products more easily repairable. Um, now, this would, you know, this would allow independent repair shops to deliver the same type of service, documentation, have the tools, the spare parts that they need, right, um, that, that the authorized service providers get. And uh, I didn't know this, but in France, there's a planned obsolescence law, meaning that if a manufacturer designs a product for a limited lifespan, that's an offense punishable by 300,000 euros. $254,000 fine or up to 5% of the maker's average, average annual French sales, whichever is higher. Um, so, they're, you know, they're talking about the end of ownership. And then they, and they bring up this. And you probably know this. I didn't. This, this fascinated me. You buy a Tesla, mm-hmm. you cannot use it to do Uber or Lyft. You're barred. It's part of the agreement of buying the Tesla. Part, because Tesla wants to start their own ride-sharing service called Tesla Network. Interesting. Now, I would not know how that would be legal. Ed, I guess they can do it. I guess they can do it. It's fascinating, isn't it? Well, because then what What about a secondary market, right? What if, you know, I turn around and I sell my, my, my Tesla to you? I, that's right? a great question. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I guess when you buy one, you're entering into an ownership agreement with Tesla and they can dictate some of the terms. And this is one that they dictate and have since I think day one. <sighs> that doesn't seem that that would be right to me. But but let's get back to this other thing, this right to repair thing, because I will say this. I think there's there's I would certainly wouldn't want the legislation passed that said that you had to 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 do all this. That that said, I do think that to a certain extent, some of this repair stuff is rent seeking. Sure. Right. And that it would be you better from served the manufacturer's side. Yeah, from the manufacturer's side. I have to go to an Apple store to get my Apple repaired for the most part cor- these days. Cor- if you want to keep it in warranty. I mean, or, and I think that's really the that that's really the key is that to say, hey, listen, if you, you know, if you, 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 I mean, there's, I don't know if by you, but in, in, around here, there's places where you can go and get your screen fixed on any of your phone. Now, they will tell you that if we work on your device, it violates the warranty of the product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Yep. So because we're not authorized to actually make that. So but so as so as long as I, I get that, I mean, I get I, I, I definitely get that that and I, I think that's a perfectly fine system. So I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily think that we need to mess with that as long as it's that, that there's there's possibility that you can get the screen fixed from another source. Right. Mm hmm. Oh. It is an interesting question because, you know, these retail, the, the manufacturers like Apple are going to argue, well, we have to maintain quality and we want our people to do this and, and all of that. Which is the warranty, which is the warranty. Right? right. So that's and that's what I mean. So as long as as long as you say, all right, yes, you, if you if if you bring it someplace else, it's going to violate the warranty and therefore it's no longer under warranty anymore. OK, mm-hmm. fine. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, now that's not true with automobiles, or at least it hasn't been in the past, right? You can go take your automobile to get fixed anywhere and then go bring it back and it doesn't violate the warranty 
from an autumn right. for your automobile. And, and I do believe that is because changes in legislation as well. Probably if you look that up, I bet that's probably the case. Could be, you know, and, and that these independent repair shops have the same parts available that, you know, Acura, Honda, whatever can get. Right. Right. You can buy original well, manufacturing parts. So sure, yeah, and we have it at Sage. Point. We have it at Sage too, and to a certain extent. I mean, we, we have we have a, we have an authorized network of partner organizations that can resell organizations. In some cases, there's authorized consultants as well. But we can't bar anyone from consulting on one of our products because after all, what exactly does that mean? First of all, right. Um, they they can't they can't say hey we're authorized they can't call in on cu- on a customer's behalf the way our authorized partners can right right so we we see a bit of that in the technology space as well what uh, I don't know. interesting it, it, i mean tesla it, it's it's and it's never tried to enforce this uh, anti uber law Okay, so this hasn't been tested in the courts. I know we have some many lawyers out there listening, and we'd love to hear your views. If you want to chime in, send us an email at asktsoe at verisage.com or leave us a note on the mm-hmm. show notes when they go up. But I, I, what do you think a court would say if somebody brings a case like this? Against yeah, Tesla. I don't, I don't know. It depends. It depends on the court, right? There's probably far too many. Uh, but I would, would be curious as to what our legal legal friends might might think of that it on the face of it like i usually try to go with what my gut my gut would say is that the court the court would throw it out and say no you can't have that as a as a restriction especially if you're buying the car if you're leasing it i suppose it's a different story mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so that it depends that therefore that you're not you're not really owning it until a certain point so that yes i could see it with a lease but if you outright purchase the car it's yours you can do with it what you want as long as you're not hurting anybody Right. I mean, it does fall in the realm of private property, but private property isn't absolute, right? We have restrictions all the time, like homeowners associations and those types of things. Don't get me started on the homeowners. Oh, no. The Nazism we have in the United States. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. I mean, they run around and tell you, shut your garage door. It's one of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole nother show, Ron. We can do a show on homeowners associations. I, my 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 antenna went up though too, Ed, because I did not know this about Tesla, yeah. and this just struck me as really really odd. And then I started thinking about it. I said, well, is it any different than the, you know, the carriage uh, contract that you have with an airline, right? I I, I don't know. Yes, it's, it's it is because you don't own the plane question. and you don't own the seat. Right. 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 No, right. In this case, you're actually it's actual ownership. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. All right. So you're gonna love this one, Ron. This is you know out by you in the People's Republic of California. Right on. Uh, now this, I will say that this is the Daily Mail. So you know, let's consider the source on this. Uh, but you might have heard, might have heard of this being out there. So this was, uh, let's see, September 27, 2017. Four arrested after fight breaks out inside and ready empathy tent. <laughs> between anti-fascist protesters and right-wing activists during a rally at uc berkeley so (laughs) oh boy okay so they were in the empathy tent ron and apparently that empathy doesn't you know even once you're inside an empathy tent it doesn't automatically apply it seems yeah like you don't suddenly walk into an empathy tent and boom you get empathy it's yeah yeah 
a fight can huh. break out. It, yeah. It's like that great line in uh, Dr. Strangelove, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, that was the empathy tent. I'll, we'll post this up there. there I, I had those whole, some rally student organizers that, that had, had planned and then canceled a free speech week. Can't have free speech on campus, Ron. Can't have that. That might yeah. hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. Um, so, but the, but side note, saw a great article today and and uh, didn't include it in here, but but uh, but Lenore Scorsese over at Reason, and one of the lines in this article, she's written extensively. She's she's a, in charge of the free range kids movement, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she said, "We raise our children today like they're veal." <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ed, you know, I was out in New Orleans earlier this week, and and I know you've been to this place, and I went for the first time, but the World War II Museum's out there. And it's a really cool museum, folks. I have to say, if you get to New Orleans, this is definitely worth, you know, four or five hours to go through this. They've done such a good job. I think it's part of the Smithsonian. It is really, really well done. But, Ed, they give you a dog tag, and you step on a train, um, they're trying to recreate, you know, how most people, you know, were inducted. They were drafted in World War II, and they got and they were, you know, trained somewhere to the base. And you log in your dog tag, and then you follow this person throughout your journey through the museum. Basically, mm-hmm. you, you just swipe the dog tag on on these little screens they have, and it gives you the, you know, what your what your soldier was doing and where he was shipped to, and you know, all of that. And I have to say, you look at some of these young kids you know, 18, 19 years old, and here they are fighting, you know, evil on both sides of the, the world. And and now we've got same age kids in empathy tents and, you know, going to safe spaces and, you know, folding up in blankets when they're confronted with an idea that makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good, Ron. I don't, I don't, I don't see any good coming out of this. I don't either, and 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 I I'm just hoping Ed that these these stories that you hear about are mm-hmm. are not the general population of these young kids, and I don't believe they are, by the way. But I also realize I could be wrong. <laughs> well, what it what it is, they they may not be, but I will say this is that they, they, even in our neighborhood, talk about homeowners associations and all this. We have we have this Facebook group that that many people in our our little development belong to. And you wouldn't believe some of the things that people post out on this thing. There were children unaccompanied by an adult spotted, ready, Ron, on the playground. Heaven forbid. Right. (laughs) They must have been like eight or nine. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. You know, and, and they weren't wearing like helmets. A, they were no, exactly. Uh, Well, we know we get that, too. I saw kids riding their bicycles without their helmets today. It's it's just it's just crazy, you know. Ed, we rode everywhere. Oh, I'm like everywhere. You know, four story houses. I mean, it was crazy what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, the sheltering from risk has got its limits. I I understand some of the arguments for it, but I I think we've gone overboard. There was that what was that great book? I think Russ had the guy on his show, Greg Ip. You know, the overprotected society or whatever that book was. Um, which I read as a result of that show, and and he does make a pretty compelling case that uh, removing risk from your kids isn't the greatest thing in the world. It's not all. It's not all good. Mm-hmm. 
there's some downsides to it. So, well, Ed, I can't believe it. We're up against another break. These Free Rider Fridays are the fastest shows that we do. And folks, like Ed said, we are having our Barisage event. Uh, so go please check that out on our website at the Soul of Enterprise. What is it, Ed? Slash? Dot com slash of, slash uh, Verisage. Verisage. Yep. yep. And you can see the agenda for both the Art of Value and the Verisage Symposium. And in the meantime, please do check out our show notes at the Soul of Enterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and we are free riding here on the soul of enterprise ron, i'm going to cheat a little bit and 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 tie a couple together in in what i'm calling uh this week with ed segment so here was okay. this, is, this is great so a couple things one my wife and i got uh each other well, it was our anniversary on monday and we mm-hmm. we got That's each other apple watches thank you thank you we got well, each other well, apple watches third generation we did we did much to the chagrin of our kids who hate us even more now which is is kind of fun uh, so that was that was fun. Well, so more more on that. I hadn't, hadn't totally changed my life yet, but and I haven't worn a watch since high school. I know so, you um, haven't. You don't like um, you don't like to tell time. Yeah, no. I, well, I use just use my phone, but sure. you know. Anyway, so I also had lunch with a TSOE listener. To tell you this, BJ uh, is was was in town. He he lives in Germany. He's from the Dallas area though, and was back visiting his family and friends in Dallas. And we were able to get together and had a, a wonderful lunch. Wow. Uh, so it was, yeah, so just to any of our listeners who are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or get to Dallas-Fort Worth, I, I, if you just hit me up on uh, on Twitter, which is how, I think it was Facebook, actually, where BJ got a hold of me. I'm happy to, to connect, and we had a, had a, had a lovely lunch. Uh, also this week, Ron, uh, well, and as you might know, a week from yesterday is my birthday, November 2nd. Right. 
Um, but I got a thing from Facebook about doing a fundraising thing for my birthday instead. I don't know if did you get this on your birthday? They said, no, hey, listen, we see we see your birthday's coming up. Do you want to conduct a birthday fundraiser? Yeah. Right. So I, uh, I I signed. I just thought this was kind of a cool thing. So I signed up for this birthday fundraiser. And if you scroll through my Facebook page, you'll see it. And I, I found that that our, our friends at the Acton Institute are on the their their list. So oh, uh, for so for my my birthday, I've set a goal of raising five hundred dollars for Acton Institute, and uh, with the help of of some friends at Verisage already, we I am up over two hundred and fifty bucks with a little less than a week to go on that fundraiser. So kind of a cool thing that Facebook put that put that together. So you're allowed to you know if in in lieu of birthday gifts or whatever, have a have a birthday fundraiser. Yeah. So really yeah. really like this this idea. And then the last thing. I want to let you know, and this is sort of tied to the Apple Watch because it's been involved in it to some degree, but um, started meditating this week, Ron. Mm-hmm. Started meditating. Okay. I didn't think I, that I, I would I be a I meditation person. No, I did because there's it was a was really a, a, an article again. Our friends at Fee, Dan Sanchez, this one was on why knowledge workers should meditate. And in this this piece, he recommends this guided meditation app called Headspace. I've kind of been more and more interested. You know, Howard Hansen, who we're having on in a couple of weeks, is 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 big, and his partner Steve were big involved in the meditation thing. And I have to say, I'm I'm four days in. I'm not like again, not huge life change, but I can say that what I my plan is to meditate a little bit in the afternoon, like about you know between twelve and two. Mm-hmm. With the idea of restoring some energy for the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, it's it's worked so far. Now maybe this is this is just me playing games with my head, but you know what? I don't care because it works, sort of. Hey, if the placebo works, it works. That's right. It still works. You know that guy that Russ just had on his show about the Buddha Buddha was right or whatever. Yeah. Talked about meditation, and Russ said, "Well, I'm skeptical, but Russ has been trying it, mm-hmm. and he's starting to see some you know positive effects from it." So. I think there's probably something to it, Ed. Yeah, I do. I, I certainly think you know, so, so slowing down and concentrating on your breathing. And this this app, as I said, kind of cool, called Headspace, and and uh, just the, the at least the first five have only been about three minutes. And you just throw your headset on, and they they encourage you. You know, you don't have to go. You know, sit in a fetal position or whatever. Just you know, do it at your desk. Just make sure you can get place where you can be relaxed there can be stuff going on around you and just let it happen so we'll see very, we'll see very neat well that's cool that you had lunch with bj and I, i'm going to make the same offer that you did that if anybody's in the northern california wine country area and you're a listener of tsoe look us up and let us know and if i'm around happy to uh grab a lunch or a cup of coffee whatever your schedule permits but yeah that's great we love uh meeting our listeners and talking to them about the show and their ideas. That's where we get some of our ideas for topics. Uh, people, we have, uh, we, we, our, our, our hardcore listeners stay in regular contact with us. Ed. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, bring us home, Ron. What do you got? All right. Real quick, Ed, did you ever see, did you ever think you would see Daniel Mitchell again for foundation for economic education? And I believe he was a fellow at Cato. Um, did you ever think you'd see an article from him titled Joe Biden is right? <laughs> no, but I wrote one called Joe Biden is right. So that's funny. Okay. Well, this is about universal basic income. And I bring this up because we did a whole show on that. 
And, you know, uh, Daniel Mitchell's in the the skeptical camp, as is Gilder and Thomas Sowell and others uh, about the universal basic income, because, you know, they're worried about the effect it has on just giving people money. Well, Joe Biden, who started the Joe Biden, what is it, the uh, Joe Biden Institute at the University of Delaware, he also thinks it's a bad idea. He says it's not the job that's that's important. It's not just the income. It's about your dignity. It's about your self-respect. It's about your place in the community. And, you know, we know Mark Zuckerberg is a big proponent, right? The guy from Facebook. Um, and he's talking about, you know, purpose and all of this. But what what thinkers have pointed out is, you know, you, you can't find purpose. It can't be manufactured, nor can it be given out with a government subsidy, right? It comes from having a deep-seated set of responsibility to yourself, your family, society, you know, as a whole. And if you think about some of the worst consequences of being jobless, uh, they're not economic, they're psychological and spiritual, right? Depression, self, you know, just all, all of these bad things, addiction, I think some of this opioid thing might be tied to this. Um, you know, having a job, earning a paycheck, um, wow, that's part of your social, cultural capital. And, and to, to you know, decouple consumption, right, from production, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that that's a problem. I, I really do. When I think about the psychological aspects, you know, it was odd because, you know, the psychological aspects made these entrepreneurs more successful. But when you think about the psychological aspects of just doling people out money, I just, I think that's a really bad idea. And and what one of the things I really liked that Daniel Mitchell points out in this article, he says, guaranteed incomes haven't produced good outcomes for Indian tribes. Correct. That's for dang sure. Yeah, no, I look, I think I, I still where I'm still where I was when we first talked about UBI. And that is that it's if we're going to have welfare, it's the least bad way to do it. But I still don't think it's a good it's good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in some of the Indian reservations are getting seventy five hundred thousand dollars a year because of the casino money. And that really has deleterious effects. So. It's just really interesting. We're only talking about, you know, ten or twelve thousand dollars a year, you know, with a UBI. So what happens when you give somebody seventy-five thousand a year or a hundred thousand? And the effects it's it's kind of like lottery winners, right? Their happiness goes yeah. up for a year or so and then then they, they die back down into depression. Yep. No, very true. Very true. All right, Ron, let me just throw this one out. This is very short. This is 30 seconds. Just a shout out to Richard Thaler for winning the 2017 Nobel Prize in economics. He's one of the founders of the behavioral economics movement. So don't necessarily always agree with some of his stuff, but uh, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, and Ed, I think it's Thaler, not Thaler. I used to call oh, it Thaler because okay. I heard a guy talking about him who knows him. It's Thaler. Good to know. Thaler. Well, I stand corrected. Thanks for All right, thanks well, Ed, what's on up. store for uh, next week? Next week, Ron, we are having an interview show. We are going to be interviewing Chris Elroy Strickland, who is with Afterburner, and he is an ex-military guy, uh, flew, uh, let me get this right, Ron, he flew for the Thunderbirds, right, not the Blue Angels, and we're going to talk with him about the debriefing process as well as some other things, but we really want to focus on the debriefing process that that, uh, he talks about in his work, which we call an after-action review, so really looking forward to that 
conversation with uh, Chris Elroy Strickland. I'm so excited by that. I'm such a Thunderbirds fan since, you know, I could drive a car. I went to every air show. So I'm just really, really excited about that. This is going to be like rock star. Uh, Ed, I look forward to it. I'll see you in 167 hours. Enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Check out our full show notes, folks, at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll be back live next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And in the meantime, have a great weekend. 